Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today, I have Casey Larson, USA Ski Jumping Olympian 2018. Casey um, is from Illinois with all those giant, giant hills they have there. Casey was a lot of fun to talk to, very interesting dude, very laid back, had a lot of great insight, which was cool. Um, He's been doing relatively well um, since about 2016. He really started to get his, fir- his foot in the door third in the U.S. Nationals, uh, new national championships and, and made it to the 2018 Olympic Games, which was incredible. So Casey was a, a really, really interesting guy to talk to, get to listen and what he's doing, how he got to where he is, and, and you know some of the things that he's seen that's happening around USA Nordic and, and some of the things that will be happening in the future, hopefully. So very happy we had the opportunity to talk to Casey. Um, but first, before his interview, a word from our sponsors. Um, as always, um, our sponsor is launchingpodcasts.com, the easy step-by-step video course on how to launch your very own podcast, soup to nuts, from ideation all the way to your fourth episode. Every single thing that I learned making to make this podcast, I learned from that course. Um, Rob's an incredible dude, very interactive, very engaging. He knows what he's doing. And he put together a course on how to create a podcast because he knows so many people want to do it. So now that there's the opportunity, and if you use promo code Mike at www.launchingpodcasts.com, you get $50 off. So hopefully take advantage of it if you're interested. Everybody wants to start a podcast. I've seen and heard and feel like everyone already has one, but half of them, eh. Um, So Take advantage of it if you're interested. Again, launchingpodcasts.com, promo code Mike. Without further ado, here's Casey. All right, today's special guest, Casey Larson, USA Ski Jumping Olympic athlete. Casey was born December 16th, 1998 in, oh shit, Barrington? Yeah. Barrington. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, Casey first experienced ski jumping at the age of six and started competing right after that. In 2014, a top 10 finish landed him on USA Nordic, the governing body of USA Ski Jumping and Nordic Combine. Casey had his first days of international competition in 2015, and that ran right into the Youth Olympic Games. 2016, he placed third at the U.S. National Championships. 2017, second at the U.S. Large Championships or Nationals. 2018, he went to the Olympic Games, finishing 39th, top 40 in the world, man. I take top 40 in anything. Uh, 2019, he finished 28th at World Championships. Casey, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Please, the pleasure is all mine. You're the Olympian, not me. I just get to ask a couple questions and click a red button. So, Casey, if you don't mind, I mean, I guess take us back to December 1998 and what you got in uh, bear. I can't say it. Barrington, right? Barrington. Barrington. You got you to sound as like haughty and, 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 and stuck up as possible when saying okay. that name. And then, Barrington. And then it goes. Yeah, okay. That yeah. makes sense. I feel that. I feel that. That's good stuff. Yeah, man. Take me, take me back. Take me back. What's, what's Illinois like? All those giant hills you guys have out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up actually in a farmhouse too. So <laughs> that even adds to the lack of hills around. But, but yeah. Um, yeah. My family's from there. Um, my dad spent some time out in um, – Rhode Island for a while. My mom grew up in Boston for a couple years too, but so there's a little East Coast blood out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they learned to ski and stuff. But so they, they 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 developed a little love for skiing, brought it back to the Midwest, and you know it's not, we have a lot of rope toes, a lot of rope toes, a lot of parks. So if anything, it should have been like a weird little park rat and been mm-hmm. able to wear baggy clothes and and, and golf jumps pretty okay. But instead, I got stuck into this sport where we have a uh, you know. The, the Nordic, you know, ski jumping aspect mm-hmm. of everything. And, and yeah, there's a club in Fox River Grove, Illinois. I can ride my bike to my house. It's super close. Um, did it a lot in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you yeah, know, started when I was six. Um, 
in the fall, just jumping on like plastic hills was my first experience with ski jumping, which is pretty weird, like on a summer jump. And uh, took to it really quickly. It was supposed to just be a fun little thing, a way for me to release some energy in between Mm -hmm. the seasons of like t-ball and and flag football and stuff like that. But quickly became my number one thing and all I really wanted to do. And uh, from that point on, I haven't really looked back. It's just I played other sports for a long time, all the way through high school, but. Mm-hmm. ski jumping is always the number one thing for sure just the thing you love the most i mean what why is there a random place in illinois that has ski jumping like i just you got to explain that to me at what person's like you know what would look really great here like where where does that idea come right. from right well i think the the story goes or i know the story goes is we're called the norgi ski club which is you know norway ski club mm-hmm. and basically we do have a pretty solid scandinavian all over the midwest scandinavian like influence mm-hmm. and uh it was just the uh the norwegian settlers in like the 1900s or our club was founded in 1905 and there is a hill there's a hill big enough for a k70 which is 70 meters so it's Mm -hmm. a pretty big hill especially when you're a kid growing up uh you need junior hills and 70s kind of where they cap off that junior aspect Mm -hmm. of it um so for me it was perfect you know you got to ski all these great smaller hills and you know when you got old enough you got to move on but i was jumping my my home hill up until uh 20 fall of 2017 took a few jumps on it and it's a great hill to start a season or you know really really build some fundamentals so for me it's it's a great place i love going home it's a it's a super fun hill and there's so many kids that are so i, I see myself in so many of the juniors whenever i go back there and it's super cool because as weird as it is being in chicago the chicago area i think uh there's a heavy influence of ski jumping on the community our tournaments get, you know, 5,000 people some winters. Wow. If it's, you know, the weather's perfect and people mm-hmm. want to come out. So it's crazy. It's super cool. It's super fun. And I could have asked for a better place to learn how to ski jump. And it works, man. I mean, you were put in the right place on uh, on this planet and it uh, it all it all worked out. So I, I love that, man. That is incredible. Um, Yeah, that's just, I, I didn't realize there was such a big Scandinavian population in the Midwest in general. Um, I do know, I, you know, I've been to Cleveland. The Polish food there is fantastic. Um, not quite Scandinavian, but I guess they're, you know, they're close-ish close, to each yeah, other. Yeah. Close-ish. Yeah. Europe. <laughs> I know I got that yeah. part right. But um, yeah, I, I didn't realize that. So what did, I know, I know Scandinavian countries are very much into cross-country skiing as well. Was that something that you tried and, and took up for a little while and realized, you know, that's a little too far and long? Yeah, uh, for sure. We, uh, I had a coach and then my dad um, really liked cross-country skiing. And so, and there is Nordic combined. I was always very good at jumping. So for me, getting an order combined was a way to like even kind of add another sport on mm-hmm. top of what I already like. And you go to the same places on the weekends. You go compete and race in the same weekends that you would already be there for mm-hmm. ski jumping. So for me, it was it was a great way to learn how to work really hard. I wasn't necessarily the fastest or the best technique or, or mm-hmm. anything. And I and I I loved it. I still like cross country skiing. It's fun. It's great. Great way to get some exercise. But it was really hard for me to start like the first three in because you take the points from ski jumping and then you, and then you race. So for me, I would like start in the first three cause I was always a good jumper. And then I would just ski back so far. It didn't matter how much I trained. It didn't matter how much I worked. Mm-hmm. I was just not as fast as some of the best. And I was competing against, you know, Ben Loomis, who's on the national team now, went to the Olympics with me. I was competing against Jesper Good, who's in the same, you know, in the same level as, as Ben. And, and granted I was against really good kids, but it taught me that, 
you know, I'm beating them in the jumping and losing them in the cross country skiing. I should, maybe I should stick to jumping. It's what mm-hmm. I like more. It's what I'm better at. So I quit when I was 14 or 15 in terms of the cross country skiing aspect of it, but still like to get on the skinny skis once in a while for sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to play around a little bit doing the same thing over yeah, exactly. and over again, you know, you gotta, gotta try. I mean, you're capable of it. So why not? Right. Um, I love it, man. Very cool. Very cool. That is, that is some good history. So what, um, if you can actually explain ski jumping to me, let, here, set, I'll set the scene. You and I are sitting on my couch. We're watching the Olympics. Maybe, you know, drinking a beer, having some chicken wings, and we see someone get ready to go. What, what's something that you would point out to someone that doesn't really know too much about it, but you could educate me on it pretty quickly? Yeah, ski jumping, I think everybody, like any sport, everybody has their own way of going about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for me, probably what's not the best thing is I'm very mechanical about it. I think about it in three different parts. I think about it, I think about the in-run, uh, and then you think about the takeoff. And then you think about the flight and then mm-hmm. the landing comes naturally, hopefully in, in theory, you know, mm-hmm. you land, you, you land, but that's how I go about it. I always think about, you know, two or three words for every part of the jump. And then you just go about that as best you can. And then as soon as you leave the bar, pretty much everything leaves your head. You're mm-hmm. you only got that muscle memory that's kind of sticking around and hopefully the, uh, what you're trying to change is still kind of lingering there. But when you leave that bar, you got to be pretty, uh, in tune with yourself and in tune with your body and in tune with your mind. So you know exactly what you need to do. Uh, I think some of the, you know, when you get to those top 10, those top five people in the world, mm-hmm. they are so smooth and, and easy going about it that they, they've done it so many times. They're, they're a little bit older, you know, they're like you hit your peak in your twenties or you're, you're even some people in their thirties are still kicking butt. So mm-hmm. for them, it's all about, you know, just repeating what they've done probably so many times before. And, uh, that's what I'd say. It's about being calm and being relaxed. And mm-hmm. at the same time, through all of that, kicking the crap out of the takeoff and going farther than everybody else. I love it. So, so what am I paying attention to though? What's something, what are some nuances that, you know, me as a, as a novice to the sport, not really knowing, like what would, what would be something you'd point out? Like, Oh, did you see how he did X, Y, and Z or how she did this when she was taking off? Like what's something you could point out on that okay. side? So I can be a little more educated. And next time I watch it, I can point that out to my friends and they'll say, Oh wow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. If you go and watch videos of, well, there's a Japanese kid who's 22 that, absolutely ruined the world cup this year and i say he did a lot of things nobody had ever seen before and we would point out to each other as a team when he would jump and be like did you see that like i've never seen that before Uh nuts like and and i think that's what it takes too like you know Mm -hmm. you if you want to be a professional and 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 one of the best at the sport you got to do something different you got to go about it a different way so really what you're trying to do is carry as much speed with as much power over that first 50 meters of a ski jump Mm -hmm. so over the yeah so over the first like 300 feet you're trying to get in the air use as much legs as possible and and explode into the air at the same time you don't want to fly behind or do anything that's going to make you lose those valuable kilometers an hour that you're gaining in the in run and then when you get over that that hump or that point of losing speed now you're trying to gain speed you're you're always landing probably 30 kilometers an hour faster than when you took off. Wow. Even though you're losing, you're probably going to lose a couple, couple kilometers an hour in that first 50 meters. You're trying to then gain and go super fast. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the weird things I think about that probably a normal per- person doesn't. They just see a crazy person flying through the air mm-hmm. and 
people do it. You see, you watch a World Cup or you watch the Olympics, and people do it differently because everybody has their own way of going about trying to gain speed differently. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so that's absolutely. what I'd, I'd like people to think about is like watch him gain height at this point, and then watch mm-hmm. this person who doesn't go as far at that same point go down and, mm-hmm. and lose all their speed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where you find those differences. Very cool, man. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Um, that's that's fantastic. So. Uh, what's your, your first taste of competition on the, the U S um, the U S tour, I'm assuming, tell us a little bit about like your first time, like really going up against some, some real competition. I know in 2014 you were, uh, became a part of USA Nordic, but I'm sure there was a couple competitions before that. It wasn't like your first time, right? Right. Well, what's awesome about ski jumping, like any junior sport is there's competitions all the time. I get to compete in the winter from December 16th or 17th, whatever that weekend is to, Mm -hmm. you know, March 23rd, I get to compete almost every weekend as a kid, you know, from when I was seven until when I was, you know, 16, I got to do that all the time and, and just always be thinking about in the winter months, ski jumping, which was sweet. And I loved it. And it was a way to really fuel the drive to be like, yeah, this is how a winter works. You just go and you go as far as you can every weekend, Mm -hmm. everywhere you can. So when I was seven, I went to, you know, my first competition was in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I think I, I'm, if I remember correctly, uh, I won, I won like on a 10 meter <laughs> hill. Going you like, won you your know, first competition. And it was like my first time ever being on a ski jump with like a bib on and, and, and competing against people. And like my coach came up to me and we were all like, I had a great coach as a kid all through. I've had great coaches forever, but remember my coach as a kid was like, you know, if you go the same distance, you're probably going to win. You just jumped farther than everybody else. So, you know, just do it again, I guess. And I did, and I won. And I had no idea what was going on. I was seven, and I was like, oh, cool. Sweet. And, <laughs> that was I, fun. and then I just kept on going through that winter, went to a couple more competitions, did fine. But, yeah, so that was cool. And then, and then yeah, you get to go, when you work your way up the hills, the size of the hills, you go from a 5, 10, you probably go to a 20, you know, a 40 or a 50, a 70. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to those 90 and 120 meter hills, you get to go to U.S. nationals. And that's always a huge deal because those, I mean, you're competing against, uh, you know, like Billy DeMong when I was a kid mm-hmm. who won the Olympics in order combined. And you get to compete against people that you were like, you only see on TV because they're in Europe all winter. Mm-hmm. And then they show up in August where we have nationals and you get to jump against them. So that's pretty crazy. And I remember it was probably 14 or 15 and I went to nationals and I like did okay. And I was just mind blown at the way I, you know, you can, it doesn't take much to figure a few things out in ski jumping and get progress really quickly. And I was lucky enough when I was in that age, I was really good and I just could jump farther than a lot of other people. And, you know, that was probably my first taste of, Hey, this is a possibility. Like Mm -hmm. maybe you could go, maybe you could be really good. Maybe you could, you know, go to the Olympics someday or even Mm -hmm. go to even go to Europe was like a crazy idea to me yeah I mean that is that is really interesting and I actually had the opportunity to speak with Bill um very very nice guy I'm glad I had the opportunity he's really cool dude so yeah very very cool um so that you got to compete against him at that young of an age so you said you went to U.S. Nationals at 15 14 15 16 sometime around there so I have to assume only a couple years later was when you finished top 10 and actually made um, the USA Nordic, uh, team or the USA ski jump team. I mean, what was that experience like kind of, was it a solidifying moment? Was that just like a, like you can, you know, put your foot down and say, you know, like clearly I deserve to be here. This is something that I'm going to 
keep just continue to pursue? Yeah, I think I think you know that first top ten was definitely a big deal for me. Like you always have you know little landmarks that you think mm-hmm. are a really big deal then, and now you look back and you're like, oh yeah, all right, top ten, crazy. <laughs> but but um, yeah. for me then was definitely a point of like, oh good, I can do this. Like this is something you know that qualified me for a trip to Europe, qualified me for the team. So those were all really cool things that you know along my way I got to experience and have a lot of fun with and for sure but at the same time you know that definitely wasn't solidifying for me in the sense of like this is the sport I want to do or you know anything like that because I was really good at I was really good at football I was really good at Mm -hmm. lacrosse so there's always things for me to go back to and and what I think was also I mean I always I always tell kids to stay in team sports I think Mm -hmm. learning you should learn somehow that you shouldn't be in a team sport and you should be in an individual sport, but you got to play team sports and, and figure that out and learn that. So for me, I was always loved like being on a field and playing with other people. So up until junior year high school, I wasn't solidified in anything. I was still having fun with every sport I was doing. So for sure, it, it was fun to to be that good at a sport and be top 10 in the country. That was really crazy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I still had a love for um, tackling people pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, lacrosse and football right there. Yeah, you lay people out. I can respect that. Um, that's crazy to me, though. Like, considering, yeah, as you said, I mean, you were top 10 in the country at something, and you still weren't, like, I don't want to say not all in, just still had the at least consideration of potentially doing something else moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was getting emails from coaches for lacrosse for, like, you know, I was nowhere near D1, but a couple – D2 schools where you can actually get a scholarship and free yeah. schools. So you're like, oh man, is this a viable option for me? But I mean, in the end, it obviously worked out one way and I'm mm-hmm. super happy it did because mm-hmm. I love waking up every day, calling myself a ski jumper. But, you know, I, I always, I always say there, there should be a couple other options there and a couple other decisions until you really say and are willing to commit hundred percent of your time mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I mean, on a, on a, Tuesday night, you get to talk, sit and talk to someone on the internet, right? Like it could be, yeah, it could right? be a lot worse, right? No, I kid. Yeah. Um, good stuff, man. That's awesome. So one uh, one thing you brought up is something that I actually uh, believe in for for a slightly different reason. You know, you said you know stay in team sports until you realize you shouldn't be in team sports anymore. I just think personally, you know, playing multiple sports is one of the best things you can do. Um, to get better at all of these other sports, you do things, you see things, you feel things, you learn things that can be applicable to other sports, you know, just as an example. So I'm a big New York Giants fan, you know, rest in peace, the Giants, but you know, Odell Beckham is, was an incredible soccer player. And you can kind of see that when he runs his routes and the way he uses his feet and everything like that. And, you know, Steve Nash, again, incredible soccer player, but his vision is off the charts when he's a point guard, you know, as a point Mm -hmm. guard, he was able to see things that no one else could. So I just think, you know, yeah, I, I totally agree with you play multiple sports, but it seems like we almost agree um, just for, for differing reasons. But I think that that's, you have a great reason too. learn to yep. communicate, learn to play with others, you know, right. on, on that kind of uh, field. And, you know, if, if something tells you finally, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do this, then you can listen to it at that point. But until then, sure. you got to try at least. Right. I, I totally agree with you in, in a different respect. Like when I remember being a very good football player and starting to play lacrosse and, that mm-hmm. crossover was sweet oh, because yeah, I could yeah. clear the ball myself and I didn't have to pass it if I want, didn't want to because mm-hmm. I was like, I was a pretty sweet rod receiver and running back and could just run up the field if I wanted to. But then the crossover to ski jumping is definitely, you know, a work ethic. Like mm-hmm. I was used to playing 
a different sport each day of the week. And then when you just cut it down to ski jumping, well, now why don't I just work every day of the week at ski jumping? Mm-hmm. So I think that that work ethic carried over. But sadly, um, my field vision in lacrosse doesn't really carry over to ski jumping too well, I'd say. <laughs> uh, worst things have happened. Yeah, exactly. You're still doing pretty darn well. So I think if we're going to sacrifice one thing, it's field vision from lacrosse. Field I, think vision. I think that that's just fine. Um, tell us a little bit about your first international competition. So as you said, like just getting to Europe was a huge goal. Um, and you hit that goal relatively early in your career, right? I mean, what, what was that like when you had the opportunity um, to go and ski? Because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, ski jumping is gigantic in Europe. Most yeah, of the skiing is is huge and way bigger in europe than it is here so yeah i think i went over to europe for my first time went to a uh well i guess there's three different levels of this of international federation of ski jumping or whatever or of skiing ski jumping mm-hmm. there's three different levels you got world cup which is you know the major leagues and then you got um and then you got continental cup which is like the triple a and then you got fist cup which is the double a if i'm mm-hmm. correct on that those baseball terms or whatever you're good you're great um so I went to a fist cup, the lowest level um, that we can compete in, and I got smoked. <laughs> I went, I went, like I got tenth at nationals, thinking I was really, really cool. Uh huh. And then went over to Europe and got seventieth, like out of ninety. Like uh-huh. you just got absolutely hammered. And then I was like, oh, like that hurt so bad. Like you just didn't know what to do with yourself. And it yeah. was in Switzerland. You're in this like. You know, my first time to Europe, it was the coolest place in the world. I got to do a training camp in Slovenia and then go to Switzerland. And I was just awestruck. It was super cool. But then you don't perform as good as you think you're going to. And you're like, well, well, shoot, what do I do? And then and then that's when you start really realizing, like, you know, maybe it's not my training. Maybe it's not my, you know, my maybe it's just my jumping. Like, maybe I'm seriously just not flexible enough. And can't jump as good as some of these guys, and it's obvious that they're just that good. Mm-hmm. So, I think for you know, as a fifteen or fifteen year old, it was it was it was you know hurt my ego a little bit, but mm-hmm. it pretty quickly turned around into like, well, I might as well just not suck next time. I guess. <laughs> I like the way you think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know just, what? It was just pretty simple. I've always prided myself on just being like, well, this is what you got to do. Like, let's just do it. Don't think about it while you're doing it. And just know that if you execute perfectly mm-hmm. off the hill, and, and when you're not in Europe, you're going to go over there and you're going to have a good time. You're going to be able to really see the results of, of what you just done. And even at a young age, I was just like, well, this is what I, this is what I have to do. And if I don't want to suck, which I don't, mm-hmm. then you got to work a little bit harder. You got to do things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. At least you were in 80th or 80. 80- ninth or 90th so i mean there's always yeah exactly you weren't right at the bottom you were towards <laughs> yeah, the bottom. I, wasn't, I wasn't i was towards you're, the bottom yeah you're towards the bottom but not the very bottom again clearly i mean that's that is probably a huge hit to your ego you probably also walked in with a, a, a big head i'm assuming you know top 10 in the country i'll look at me i'm gonna come over here and crush it and then yeah you right. kind of get knocked down a peg sounds like that was probably uh the best case the be- best thing to happen especially to a 15 year old at that For time sure yeah i needed it i was i mean I don't think I was a cocky 15 year old. I'm probably a cockier 20 year old now, but I mm-hmm. think back then, even any, everybody needs it. I think your first yeah. trip to Europe for a lot of people, whether you're in ski jumping or not, and you go to do a sport that's, you know, three times as big in mm-hmm. Europe as it is in the U S it's going to be a little bit of a wake up call. Absolutely. hundred percent, sure. man. And clearly it woke you up a little bit. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. Uh, but Hey, you, you came around, um, 
So 2015, uh, you that was your first trip to Europe, right? And then you went yeah. to the uh, Youth Olympic Games later that year, correct? Or later in that season? 2016. Twenty Okay, yeah. so it's, is that still the, the same next... season, though, I guess? No, so it carried. Was it, it, was, next... okay. it was 2014, 2015, summer. Oh, okay, or, okay. You know, it, turned, it, it was 2015, and then that following winter, when it okay. turned 2016, February 2016, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so when I went to the Olympics. Yeah, what was the Youth Olympics like? I mean... That, it was one of the like the more recent. Well, I mean, it was twenty sixteen. Uh, youth it was Olympics. the most recent Youth Olympic Games. Yeah. I think the mm-hmm. next Youth Olympic Games are this winter. Mm-hmm. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about tell us about that experience and and getting to go up against people kind of your own age and and seeing what you got. Yeah, Youth Olympics was pretty cool. Um, kind of the same thing happened to me that happened to me after Einstein carried over into Youth Olympics. Was that mm-hmm. entire next summer was just like was just me trying to uh not suck not suck yeah Mm -hmm. it was it was pretty wild like it was just like I realized that there weren't many people in that age bracket that were going to be able to go Mm -hmm. because it's a weird little age thing there's four I mean obviously people of four years and I was at the top end of that so the people that could qualify were much younger and just not there yet Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so I was like well I'm perfectly set up to go to youth olympics i've kind of got i drew the lucky cards Mm -hmm. so for me it was it was just about like qualifying won't be the hard part but like let's go there and use it as a super cool experience in lillehammer norway like that place is one of my favorite places in the world at this point gorgeous Mm -hmm. and let's jump far like let's have fun and 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 then so that all happened and uh you know i got to the youth olympics and i was training terribly you get a lot of training days at like an Olympic event kind of thing. You get three or four days of training before you get, before you have to compete. And I was going so short. I was just, you know, there's 18 people there because there's one person from each country. So there's 18 nations. And I was always like bottom 15 or like, you know, in the 15 area, like just not going far. And I just remember thinking like, I'm not, this is, I'm, this isn't me. This isn't where I'm at. And then even the trial round, so you get three jumps in the competition day, one's a practice and then two are to count. And I remember my trial round was, you know, like 64. It was not 60. It was like, you know, 75, 80 meters. And that's bad. Like that won't get you anywhere. And then my competition round was like 96 and a half. And that put was chill. I was like in fifth and sixth. Like we were right there together. Mm-hmm. And then my next, my next jump after that was good enough to get me sixth, I think. So that was a wild experience because I was no way in my head was getting a top 10 and then mm-hmm. was able to pull a jump out that I thought was pro- probably pretty normal for me in training. But, you know, actually going to a mm-hmm. an Olympic event for kids was pretty cool. Hey, dude. And, I mean, I think it's incredible. I've been able to speak to a few athletes that have been to the Youth Olympics and they've said like they try and set it up. So it's like essentially like there's a village yeah. and like they try and did all that. So what was that experience like and how much did that make you want to go to you know the real thing um i think it it was super cool because yeah it was exactly like an olympic event you you were staying in dorms with with athletes that you didn't know and which i was pretty weirded out about because i was like i'm so used to training with the people i know and living Mm -hmm. with the people i know on trips that when i go here and i'm living with a uh i think i was with the skeleton luge and bobsledder Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is weird. You guys are cool, but you're not my teammates. <laughs> and what's going on here? You guys but are really was, nice, but I don't like this. 
yeah and uh but yeah and then you get you know you eat in a big mess hall and uh-huh. and everything's the same and you're in Lillehammer which was an Olympic venue so they have everything set up for you and they know how to do it mm-hmm. so that was really cool and then yeah for sure it was you know and then at that point you're only a year and a half you're only two years away from the real thing and you're like well shoot man if I got sixth here and I want to get third there I gotta do a lot of work in these mm-hmm. next couple of years like that was what's going through my head because you were looking at the people in the country and you're like, well, shoot, maybe I could actually do it. Yeah, I don't know. It would be pretty crazy, but I think I can get there because I want to. Mm-hmm. This was so for sure that had an influence on my drive to, to get better. Definitely. I love it, man. I mean, so that's, that's so 2015, 2014 was crazy. 2015, 2016. I mean, also in 2016, you got third at the U S national championships. So where mm-hmm. you got 10th a couple of years prior, now all the way up to third. Um, 2017, you were second on the large hill national championship. So what first let's explain the difference between the, I guess, normal and the large hill, um, and what, what the differences are there and what it's like to be top three in the country at something twice. So the, so the normal hill is a K 90 meter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what that means is the, where the hill starts flattening out is 90 meters away from where you take off. Okay. And the big hill is a K 120. So it flattens oh, wow. out a lot later and it's a lot bigger mm-hmm. and you get some more speed. And uh, yeah, so a good jumper should be good on both. Mm-hmm. The same kind of jumps work on both kind of hills. But uh, so yeah, when you, you know, you're competing against the same people in nationals. So, you know, we're also close together and most mm-hmm. of us are so good. So the difference between, you know, on a particular hill, somebody may be really good. So they're like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so is probably going to win but that battle for second to fourth is going to be pretty crazy. So mm-hmm. it's always cool to go to nationals and, and compete against and hopefully go a few meters further than the next person, because that's what that's, that's the difference between mm-hmm. second and fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. So I've nationals for some reason, I've always been able to, I don't know, it's just get some good wind or, or, or uh, just have a little bit better jump than you used to having mm-hmm. and, and kind of getting stuck into second or third is, is always pretty fun. I've yet to win, so um, Kevin Bickner, you better you better watch out, bud. Good, yeah. Shout out Kevin Bickner. If you haven't listened to his episode, make sure to go back and check it out. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate your time. But yeah, man, you're you're the one on the interview now, so we're gonna crush him next time around, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, love him to death. But Kevin's a really cool dude. I had a great time talking to him. He was actually in uh, was it Slovenia or where where is the U.S. location out in Europe? Yeah, Slovenia. So we're, I mean, I was with Kevin from December until April this year. So Mm -hmm. Kevin and I, and we grew up in the same ski club and Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. stuff. So it's been really weird and cool and and, and amazing to come, basically grew up with Kevin and and have a teammate that has been your teammate since you were eight years old. So, Mm. And has he just consistently beat you since you were eight years old? No, we've we've had some battles, man. Yeah. I beat him in some nationals back and forth, okay. but okay. um, the last couple of years he's definitely been uh, doing some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. And I've been there to I've been at the same competitions to watch, so you learn a lot from somebody like that. The way they go about things is definitely different than the way I go about things. And mm-hmm. you know, you 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 learn and you kind of keep on your path and know that your system is going to work. Um, but at the same time. I love Kevin and he's, he's kicking, kicking butt the way he knows how to. So yeah, he's, he's a cool dude. Um, but so, so maybe that's, 
you've known him for so long. So this question, I guess, is a little bit not quite for him. It's more for everybody else. But what's it like to room with someone and practice with someone and eat with someone and, and sleep, you know, 20 feet away from someone and then come competition, just throwing all that out the uh, all that out the window and saying, yeah, Kevin, I'm coming for you. I mean, I'm going to beat you this time. Like, what is what is that like spending so much time with people? in such a friendly manner. Um, you know, as you said, you love them. You guys have been good friends for a while, but once you get on the hill, you want to absolutely crush them. Like how, how do you yeah. kind of like, what's that internal battle? Like I go about it. I think in a good way, like as soon as I leave the, you know, the changing room or the locker room where we're mm-hmm. changing, as soon as I give whoever's in the room with me a mm-hmm. fist bump and like say, have one or good, have a good one. And as soon as I walk out that door, hopefully you know it changes to a little bit more of a, of a business like this is a mm-hmm. business trip i'm here to i'm here to do what i need to do i don't really care about you if uh you know I, I i don't know if any of my teammates like me on the hill i think even in training uh certain people may not like the way i go about things but mm-hmm. it's kind of the way i feel like i need to get better mm-hmm. you know whether that's uh you know, not moving over for somebody, but I mean, it's a, it's a hard sport and it's a sport where you have a lot of people on the jump at the same time, getting their training in and it, you got to be in the meanest way, po- in like the nicest way possible. You have to definitely be a little bit selfish or a lot selfish when you're on the hill. But then as soon as we're off the hill, I hope that I, I mean, we can go back to joking and, and mm-hmm. having fun and, and training hard because we all have the same training plan. We all do similar things every day. So we see each other a lot mm-hmm. and uh, everywhere but the hill, I think. I, I mean, my teammates and I, are, we have, we're some of the best friends I think uh, you could possibly have. I don't have anything against any one of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, whoever I'm rooming with or, or, or eating with, it's, it's all good fun. But when we get on the hill, you got to do your job. And if, if, if that means maybe cutting you in line once in a while or, mm-hmm. or just because just because you're a little angry you didn't didn't get to go I mean I don't know it's it's a weird sport you know it's a weird vibe on top of hills sometimes especially in competitions and mm-hmm. I just try and shut all of it out for sure yeah I mean yeah you, you got to do what you got to do man I mean it is an individual sport right you have teammates but it's an individual sport um so no I'm I'm, I'm glad that I asked that question because of course it's a little different you know it's not like it's it, it's you know one of these one-on-one sports it's pretty much you versus the hill right like it's yeah the further you go, the better you're going to do. It doesn't really matter what anybody else does. It really a hundred percent is just you versus the hill. Um, so yeah, you got to do what you got to do to beat the hill. And hopefully along the way, you beat a couple people um, and beat, you know, their, their opportunity on the hill. So very cool, man. That's awesome. So congratulations on all that. Uh, you got to push some people out of the way. Sometimes you got to push some people out of the way. I think, I think if you talk to anybody on the, on the U S team, they'd, they'd probably agree with me and giggle a little bit. Cause I've definitely, I mean, I think a lot of people do the same thing as me, but uh-huh. <laughs> I, I hate doing it, but I, you don't hate it at the moment. But then after the, after the training session, you're like, Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I My bad, dude. Like, and they're like, it's, it's don't do it again, bud. And then you always end up doing it again or they yeah. see you back to normal. But uh, uh, That's good. At least you guys can all have fun with it. That's funny. Um, awesome, man. All right. So 2016, as we said, third at the U S nationals, 2017, second at the large hill. 2018 man let's talk about it you were in the freaking olympic games a year ago a year and like two months ago i mean mm-hmm. what first let's start with qualifying how does qualifying work um to get to the games how many people or how many skiers i guess male skiers do we take 
to the Olympic Games from the United States? So that's all dependent on your national ranking and how your team as a whole is doing to get okay. four spots. Because there's a team event in the Olympics, so the goal is to get four spots. You mm-hmm. can have a team, field a team. And we did good enough to qualify four spots, and then it was up to who was going to be that four. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin qualified pretty easily. Michael Glasner qualified because he won Olympic trials. So you, only the person who wins Olympic trials is guaranteed a spot. Okay. Will Rhodes qualified because he scored World Cup points. And then there was one more spot that needed to be f- fielded, basically. And that goes from a line of World Cup points to Continental Cup points. And you got to have Continental Cup points to qualify for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you FISCO points don't matter. And I remember me not having honestly not having the best winter i definitely went into a little bit of a lull the year before i had you know set my pr um went ski flying went to world championships you know got a top 10 at junior world which is a big deal and then the year after i was just kind of struggling to find my stride for sure mm-hmm. and i remember needing to go the last continental cup that was on the qualifying roster before the qualifying ended for the olympics was in Erzurum, turkey I remember being like, I have to go to Turkey. Mm-hmm. I'm missing ski flying world championships because I'm because I have to go to Turkey and I have a job to do and I got to go score some Continental Cup points or else I'm not going to the Olympics. Which mm-hmm. was, you know, a lot of athletes have probably gone through the same thing and it's gone the other way where they're like, if I don't perform here, that's another four years mm-hmm. I have to sit and think about it and and not be able to call myself an Olympian not be able to experience what other people on my team that I think maybe, you know, I've worked just as hard and jumped just as good at some points, but they get to go and I don't. And I remember just being like, I have to do it. And you think going to Erzurum, Turkey is going to be maybe not as many people go to Turkey to compete in a continental cup. But I remember showing up and there was 55 really good jumpers there mm-hmm. and just being like, it's it's what I have to do. I have to do the exact same thing. I have to trust the process and just have a good jump. And I did. I like got 17th, which was amazing by no means, was not that great, but qualified for me for the Olympics and I got to go to South Korea, which was the coolest experience ever. Even didn't I went and had an okay jump at the Olympics, which was great. Like 39th for me that year was nothing to write home about but at the same time was like hey at least i was able to go to the olympics get 39th and you know do something productive with this season salvage it a little bit and the olympics is not a bad way to salvage it. i was sure. just about to say man if salvaging yeah. your season is going to the olympics <laughs> geez you have uh, some super high expectations and i respect that but whoa let's put that in perspective for a second too. Yeah. incredible like yeah oh, i salvaged my season i only got top 40 in the world what a drag um, but no, man, I mean, I, I, obviously, you know, you go to the games because you want a medal, right? Like, that's everything. And one thing right. I do truly believe is that we don't give our athletes that go to the games enough credit. I mean, if you just get there, I think that that's unbelievable. Like, think about that for a second. You're literally one of the best in this country at something, one of the best in the world at something. Let's celebrate that. Um, of course, you're going to win, though. You're an athlete. You want to compete you're going to win. Um, I think the media does drive the medal count a little too much. It's what you see every 16 seconds, I feel like, when NBC does the Olympics. And it's what drives ratings. So they have to do what they have to do. But at the same time, man, I mean, 39th in the world, I mean, shoot, I'd take top 100 at something. Like, that's incredible. You're one of the 39 best people in the world at something at the biggest stage 
um, you know, I, I just think it's incredible. So congratulations on going, man. I think that is so, so cool. Um, so as you said, it wasn't really like your best jump, but what was the experience like? Like just being there halfway across the world with some of the best athletes on planet earth and getting to spend time with them and pick their brain and, you know, spend time with some of your best friends, but also get to meet the, you know, some of the dudes from the ice hockey team and some of the ladies right. from the ice hockey team and the luge and the, you know, I know you don't like those losers or skeletons too much. Uh, it sounds like from your previous story. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But yeah, I mean, like, tell us what that experience was like and how, you know, outside of the competition, how much you really enjoyed it. I think that's exactly what I tried to get out of the Olympics was like, all right, especially after your events ended was like, all right, I did this. I really want you know, I'm, I'm going to use this experience to learn. And, and obviously, you know, you know, I'm not ready to like in your head, you're like, no, I'm not gonna, there's n- I'm not going to win. Like, I'm just, you know, I have to take this experience as a learning one mm-hmm. and learn how it works, not be freaked out by the media or the things mm-hmm. you have to do every day that may, you know, keep you from getting that last workout in or that last stretching. Cause you got to go, you know, answer some questions to, you know, so-and-so about, mm-hmm. about your jumping or whatever about your season so far. And because it's the Olympics, it's the freaking Olympics. So you gotta, you gotta be able to handle that adversity, adversity that the Olympics brings. And I mm-hmm. think, uh, I really tried to take it as a super cool experience, walk around, learn a lot about South Korea. Cause it was so cool down there and mm-hmm. I had so much fun. And then, so really when you, when I show back up in 2022, I'm not, I'm not freaking out. I'm not uh-huh. freaking out all over again. Let my tweak out be when I got 39th. Mm-hmm. Don't let my tweak out be when I'm expecting a top five or a podium. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I really tried to do. And I almost thought about it in the long term. Like, this is going to be super fun. Let's have a good time and really learn about the Olympic experience. So when you come back to Beijing, it's going to be a whole different story, but a very similar experience in terms of having fun, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, no, exactly. I mean, like one thing, so I'm, I'm just a big sports guy all around, you know, one thing that, that a lot of people bring up is, yeah, the Warriors dynasty, you know, it's been the last four or five years for, for the NBA, but they lost mm-hmm. in the first round, then they lost in the second round, then I think they like lost again in the playoffs. So they had, you have to learn how to lose to learn how to win. Like, it's very rare that it's just like, oh, I'm the best. Like it just doesn't right. work like that. So you have to understand the, the magnitude of the situation and understand, you know, what it takes by losing in many situations mm-hmm. in sports. So I think that that's really important. Um, and it sounds like you went in with a very, very smart mindset um, in understanding where you kind of stood in the world, but also understanding that this, you know, not everyone gets to go to one game, Casey. <laughs> you got to be honest about that. Yeah, we're expecting it in 2022. But, you know, I, I've talked to way too many athletes that expected it. And, and you know, just so many, there are so many things that can happen. Um, you know, of course, would never miss, uh, <laughs> would never miss anything. Uh, never, never hope anything. But of course, man, like definitely glad you took advantage of the uh, the the games you got to go to, and uh, I think it's incredible, man. So again, one more time, absolutely, congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It yeah. should be a it should be a, a good couple of years, and hopefully that hopefully none of these young guns come up and, and, and take any spots from old Casey because I'll be a I'll be one of the older guys on the team then, which is wild to me but you'll be what all of 23 you'll be 23 24 i'll be 23 but there's we have so many good kids coming up and i'm so excited about it like even just this season seeing them progress and get some continental points and and Mm -hmm. make the team it's going to be super cool because uh i think usa nordic is on the come up we have the nordic combined team and the ski jumping team are all super young 
and we're all super motivated. So I'm excited to see where both teams go because it's going to be pretty wild. For sure. Oh yeah, competition breeds excellence, man. I, I, we we expect you to be there, but if one of those young guns takes it, I'm more than willing to interview them. They're going to have, have to. No they're going to have to earn it for sure. Absolutely, so. you better make them earn it, brother. I love it. So tell yeah, us a, like a little bit, a little bit more about about the games. Like so. What what were some of the things that you really tried? So I understand the, the experience you tried to seek out, but what what sports? Was there a particular sport or a particular athlete that you're like, I really, really want to meet this person and, and sit down and talk to them for 15 minutes, or I really need to go see the women um, ice hockey team because, you know, they're one of the best in the world. Was there anything like that that you were really gunning for? I did watch the gold medal game. Awesome. That was really cool. Me too. Because that, that was, was after, my, after everything ended for, for us. So I got to go um, – down to the stadium and watch mm-hmm. that so that was a really cool day but I don't know if there's a particular athlete that I really wanted to talk to because but everybody you talk to at breakfast like down in that like team USA house was you know whether they whatever athlete they were mm-hmm. they had a story they had something to talk to like you know I met a you know met a bobsledder that was you know about to go try and run for Japan because his mom was from Japan but mm-hmm. he decided to he found bobsled and got really good at it and decided that this was the thing he loved to do. Like th- those kind of stories are super cool to me because I think everybody has something, some defining like occurrence in their lives that, you know, decides where their path leads. Mm-hmm. So for, mm-hmm. for me to hear a bunch of different people that I don't hear about in the news, that was the cooler part than, you know, seeing Lindsey Vaughn with her dog stroll across the stage <laughs> or something like that because that yeah. was cool too uh-huh. but you didn't get to talk to those people they i mean they have their programs they have that what they think they need to do to go win a gold mm-hmm. medal mm-hmm. and it works yeah but there's a lot of people that you know you get to talk to that wouldn't otherwise see That's anywhere awesome. else yeah yeah i mean clearly again you're, you're all in the same village literally you know so i think Mm -hmm. that's super cool super super happy you had that experience um i love it dude uh so let's take a um let's switch to another topic so one thing i always like to ask a lot of athletes especially ones that have been to the games you know i'm I'm not going to ask you how many dollars you made this year that's you know that's rude we're not supposed to ask that okay but uh you know that's what we do growing up you're not supposed to ask how much someone makes right but I, i definitely want to understand what the support is like for someone who's been to the olympics um, you know, obviously, you know, you win a gold medal, this, that, and the other thing, it might be a little different, but from your perspective, like what has, what, what is it like? I mean, is this your full-time job? Are you capable of sustaining this as a lifestyle, as a career for the foreseeable future? Cause as you said, you know, some guys don't get good until they're in their thirties. All right. So you got another 10, 15 years, Casey, you know, good luck with all that. So like, yeah. what, what's, what's the support been like and, and how, how have you been able to kind of balance making sure that you can live your life pay your bills but also at the same time you know compete and train and do everything that you need to do to literally be the best athlete you can be yeah i i don't make a lot of money every year and with any like any sport especially with with the way the fis works is basically to make money you have to be top 30 Mm -hmm. in in the world and you got to be consistently getting top 30 world cups to make any considerable amount of money because the point system they have with skiing and snowboarding is just, that's the way it works. You get a hundred, hundred Swiss francs for 30th place. And then it goes up from there. And mm-hmm. in ski jumping, you it's 10,000 for first, I think. And, uh, but yeah, and I'm not there yet. I mean, mm-hmm. realistically I've gotten a couple top thirties, um, but nothing, nothing to sustain me 
especially sustainable lifestyle training in Park City. So, you know, you have to get a job. Hopefully it's one where you're not doing too much physical labor mm-hmm. because, you know, you got to train every day too. But, uh, yeah, for right now, I mean, in theory, USA Nordic as a, as a, uh, as a program is awesome and they do as much as they possibly can. But the whole reason USA Nordic exists because USA cut us off from any funding. So we don't get a dollar from USA. Uh, we get to use their gym, which is great, but you know, it's not money. So, uh, that's tough. Our coaches are funded by USA Nordic. You know, we have to pay coaches and we have great coaches. And I'm amazed that they've stuck around (laughs) this long to, uh, hang out with us and, and coach us because they are honestly pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, we have, we have staff to pay and, and, and athletes to fund. So, you know, if you're on the A team, hopefully there's no overhead. You're not paying for a whole lot. Uh, flights are paid for and whatnot. If you're on the B team, like me, hopefully a lot of flights get paid for and they basically just try and fund you as much as humanly possible so you have mm-hmm. no overhead. But at the same time, you're not on the A team. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully you're a very good ski jumper or Nordic combined skier. But those a team athletes have to be the priority mm-hmm. and uh because they're the ones you know bringing in re- revenue for usa nordic and bringing in sponsors for usa nordic and i have to respect that and know that it's not that hard to get to the a team you just mm-hmm. got to work your butt off yeah. and, and get there and it's not you know a crazy thing to get there it's not you know there's you don't have to win a world cup to get on the a team you just got to be a hard-working athlete that's willing to uh dedicate dedicate some time to the sport and uh go very far in a competition or two mm-hmm. so for me that's realistic you know getting getting to that point with usa nordic is one thing and then on the contrary with fis is you have to perform very well every weekend from november 21st until march 26th you have mm-hmm. to be consistently in that top 30 hopefully in the top 15 and you're not you're not making a bad living you're making enough probably to make it to the next season or the summer grand prix where hopefully you can make some more and, mm-hmm. and really, uh, compete well. And then obviously like any sport, the prize money, if you're winning a lot of world cups in a year, you know, it can be over 500, over 500,000 Swiss francs, which is pretty sweet. And that's mm-hmm. enough to put into a savings account and also mm-hmm. live your life as an athlete. Mm-hmm. But, and then sponsors, uh, come with, you know, top 15s too. Mm-hmm. You see that come in, um, when you start really getting world cup points and, and building a name for yourself in the sport. Cause it is a huge sport. I mean, it's one of the, uh, I think if you look at the stats, it's one of the most viewed, if not, I think it's the most viewed winter sport on Eurosport, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, the, the ESPN of, of Europe. But so there's, there's a market there and, and big brands really like, I mean, you know, we've got Red Bull athletes too. And, and, mm-hmm. and we've got, um, you know, no Barilla athletes, but you know, we should get one. But sorry but yeah i mean it's realistic that you can make a living in the sport and uh, if you want to you have to be very good and i think a living in making a living in the sport comes with loving the sport and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of us do and a lot of us want to get to that point but very few do so very a lot of people work most of their lives to be a good ski jumper but you know, the amount that are making enough to uh, put into a savings account and live mm-hmm. a life post ski jumping isn't too much. So mm-hmm. you have to kind of take that into consideration too. Even if, 
you know, in reality, that's your only goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you have a pretty good outlook on it. And I like the way you say it. it's not hard. You just have to work really, really hard. It's like, oh, gee, yeah. that's, that's all it takes. <laughs> well, if it's that easy, let's, let's just all become ski jumpers. No, but I mean, you know, I mean, I, you have to have that mindset when it comes to a lot of this stuff. You know exactly what you need to do. You just got to go out and do it. Just do it harder exactly. than the next guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, just. I, the, the thing that frustrates me is hearing about people like you, you know, you literally made the Olympics. Now I don't really understand the 18 B team and why you're not on the A team if you went to the Olympics. Um, so if you can explain that a little bit, I'm kind yeah, of, I mean, like, like, but who did we you just have a, we just have a protocol? I think, I think for the A team, you have to be top 50 in the overall at world cup mm-hmm. to make the A team. That's like the most basic, um, requirement. There's some other requirements. Um, like, uh, I don't have the sheet pulled up, but yeah, 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 but yeah, things you can do. And then the B team, there's things you can do. Um, so here's a question. So, so is there only three members on the A team then or two members on the A team? I don't know if there's any members on the A team right now. Really? Even not, even not, not even Kevin. No, I don't, I don't think so. Just because he didn't hit the requirements this yeah. year and they so can change is... the requirements every year, but. So there's but, no uh, A team right now. There's no A team right now. That's very interesting. It is very interesting. Four of you went to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, okay, okay. So Michael Glaser and Will Rhodes retired. They Mm -hmm. they went their separate ways, um, doing the things. You know, they they had a path after the Olympics and decided that they wanted to, you know, continue. I think Will's Will's in college right now, and Mike's uh, taking over his dad's business, which is great. Nice. And they're and they're 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 doing their thing, and they love it, but. Um, yeah, for Kevin and I, it's, uh, you know, we, I had a pretty okay winter. I had some results that I was pretty happy with. I got a top 30 at world championships, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a big deal. And I was pretty happy about, um, but yeah, I mean, realistically they expect USA Nordic expects us to be better. And I expect Mm -hmm. myself to be better. Mm -hmm. I'm getting there. Kevin's getting there. It's just a matter of we're still young. We still need some more time. And I think we're both willing to give a couple more years to, to getting to making that breakthrough. And then when that breakthrough starts happening, hopefully, you know, the juices flow and, and, and the, the breakthrough can, can even explode higher. But yeah, right now there's no, there's no A team on USA Nordic, if I'm correct. Um, there's a B team, which is heavily funded. There's very little overhead for the B team. Mm-hmm. When you're in Europe, you know, your room's paid for hopefully your flights are paid for most of the way. So mm-hmm. it's great in that respect. And then you can make money ski jumping. Like that's mm-hmm. a real thing to do. And part of that is finding sponsors. Like we have to go out and pursue sponsors and find a sponsor to put on our helmet when mm-hmm. we're on TV or put on our skis when we're on TV. You know, if you're a good ski jumper, companies pay a lot of money for that because they're seeing this guy go 250 meters, you know, fly almost three football fields and then hold their brand up on their skis and that's big television you get mm-hmm. you get a lot of seconds and you know you get an interview holding the water bottle after and and that's that's a big deal especially when you're one of the better jumpers in world cup and mm-hmm. i know you know a lot of people are doing it that way and, and making a good living i've had a head sponsor for a season but they would like you know pay, pay me like 50 bucks for being on tv which is great but it's you know 50 bucks that's yeah. probably not going to do much when you're trying to buy groceries or something like that. Exactly. That's like a couple dinners maybe. Um, but 
Cool, man. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. If there's anything I can do to help, believe me, I'm going to do my best. I promise you that. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Thank you so much for being open, honest, intimate with us about that. I mean, it's clearly like a huge facet of it. Um, and especially here in the United States, what we call Olympic sports. Um, you know, we only watch it once every four years, but it doesn't mean you guys are just kind of, you know, working your nine to five and then, you know, Oh, it's an Olympic. Let's go try. Like that's not quite how it works. So, um, no man, but thank you so much for that. really appreciate it. And, um, and then the last question I always have, I just want to ask everybody, uh, after an Olympian asked me like, Hey, you could ask me what I'm going to do after I'm done with my sport. And I was like, Oh, just kind of a bad move on my part. But, um, as we already said, I mean, you might be doing this for another 10, 15 years. You know, that's when some people hit their peak almost. So maybe even a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. but is there, is there anything on your mind for kind of like the after effect? Like, you know, are you going to be a coach? Are you going to totally just get out of the sport and take over your dad's business? Like your friend did, like, is there anything you have going on on that end or, or are you just trying to take it day by day right now? For me, I'm I'm planning for a life after sport, even though for right now, hopefully there's not an end in sight in theory. Mm-hmm. Of um, but, uh, you know, I go to the University of Utah. Um, mm-hmm. They have a great program for Olympic athletes. They help us out a lot. So I get to go to the University of Utah. Um, you know, they get, they get you into the Eccles School of Business um, with a pretty good scholarship. So for right now, I'm doing that mostly online because you're in mm-hmm. Europe so much. But um, so right now I'm doing that. And, uh, you know, I work jobs when I can, especially in Park City this time of year. You gotta find a job and, and and at least work, but that's definitely a job for money, which is you know it's not you know standing mm-hmm. at a desk telling people where to go is not my, it's not my dream. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, for sure, I love the sport so much, and I can't speak for what I'll feel you know when I'm done with my career if I'll be burnt out or whatnot. But I mean, I get to go home to Chicago and coach when I can, and and that's really fun. Mm-hmm. And I see. And I myself have a lot of ideas and things that I think, you know, that I've talked to coaches about. And that's, you know, part of what constitutes my training plan. So I'm like, you know, maybe switching up the degrees and getting more of a kinesiology degree and really getting into coaching would be something I would really like to do. So Mm -hmm. for sure, there has to be a life after sport. There's never, I mean, whether even if it's involved in ski jumping, Mm -hmm. there's going to be something for me after. But right now, I definitely don't know what it's going to be. But I definitely want to do something outdoors and, and be outside, be a part of, you know, something bigger than myself. Um, so I, uh, I don't know for mm-hmm. sure, but I love ski jumping. So if there's ski jumping post ski jumping, I won't be angry with that. Hey, yeah. There you go, man. That's you back. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. Just keep ski jumping. How about that? Just don't stop. Yeah. yeah. It's going up and hopefully it just, Keep yeah, going up. You so. just keep flying. You just keep flying. And then, you know, like the end of Greece, right? No. Um, so thank you so much, Casey Larson, USA Ski Jumping Olympian. Um, sincerely, man, this was a blast. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your representation of our country. And uh, thank you for putting so much on the line and jumping like three football fields at a time. That's just mind boggling. <laughs> so really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Casey Larson. As I said, very laid back dude, has some great, great knowledge, great insight, and I was super happy that we have the opportunity to speak with him. Make sure you follow everything. Um, he, all his socials will be in the show notes. All of our socials are in the show notes as well. I'm going to put the website there. Uh, and as of recording, the website's down because it is, as I said, I've been saying, it is coming back. We are going to have a new website up soon, which I'm super excited about. It's going to be incredible, absolutely gorgeous. Um, It's going to be very brand focused. um, So I hope everyone is understanding about that. We're obviously championing these um, mid-tier, just really any Olympic athlete and hopeful, um, but really 
got to sell, man. You got to sell. So got to know who you're talking to. So thank you all. Please go visit that. Very excited. Um, as, as I said, as of this release, it's probably not up yet. But in the coming days, it should be good to go. And I'm very, very excited about that. Thank you again to launchingpodcast.com. Promo code Mike for $50 off on your very easy step-by-step video course on how to create your very own podcast. Super excited about that too. So if you want to, please go take advantage. You get a couple bucks off. Everybody's happy. Look at that. Um, Yeah, that's about all we have. So thank you all so much. Please rate, review, comment, share, subscribe, five stars, wherever you're listening to this. Sincerely would appreciate it. It helps with the iTunes and the Apple podcast algorithm and all those other ones makes us look a little bit better. So the stories get out about some of these incredible, incredible athletes we have here in our country. So there we go. Without further ado, thank you guys so much. Hope you have and make it a wonderful day.